0: I'm going to pray for David and then hand over to him as he brings our last part of our Coming Together series to us. So, Lord God, we thank you for David. We thank you for his position as elder here, and we thank you for all that he brings uh, to this church, and we just pray as he speaks to us now. We thank you for the way you've spoken to him through his preparation, and we just pray that you will really speak through him now as he shares your word with us. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thanks much. Sorry, I'm still in the way. No, <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Um, just get the clicker out. Sorry. We're carrying on, as Martin said, in the the sermon series about coming together and how to live with other people. And you'd probably remember, it's based on a book by John Ortberg, Everybody's Normal Until You Get to Know Them. And and, and the first week, Martin told us about the problem with people and used the analogy of porcupines. We've got very sharp edges. Um, Second week, Neil talked about authenticity and acceptance. And then on the third week, Martin talked about conflict and forgiveness and trying to reassure people um, conflict is not a spiritual gift if you think you've got that. Um, And and the fourth week, there was how to do the hard thing about confrontation. So um, I'd been building up to this the fifth week, the secret ingredient. And as the time wore on, I just found myself losing more and more weight. It doesn't seem obvious now. Um, but, but, But it was just looking and thinking, how do I... Managed to actually carry on in the theme and, and something just came to me and it just said enjoy the preparation and And, and so I, I think I've tried to and, and I'll try and share with you what it is. I've gleaned uh, from from the passage, so It's about Simon the woman with the alabaster jar and and, and Jesus and it's in Luke chapter 7 verses 36 to 50 And I'm just going to read that out um, so so we're all on the same page as it were. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, "I, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You didn't give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, So some of you would have read this before, heard it before, to some it's probably the first time you're looking at it, and, and I read the book and the passage from Jan which was very helpful, and then sat down and said, and what is it saying to me? So I've called them the key players. There's the woman, there's Simon, and there's Jesus, and we're just told she's called the woman. We'll start, we'll start with her. And what I want you to do is to see whether you can identify yourself in any of these two characters, Simon or the woman. So it just says, she lived a sinful life, not she had lived, she lived a sinful life. And unless you don't want to admit that's you and me, that's our everyday lives. And we were talking about great friends and good friends, well there are some people who are only too ready to remind you of your sinful life. you might find you go through and, and and you just feel as you go in a little insecure because you think people have judged you or are judging you. We feel or are made to feel we should know our place in society. And with the woman, I would argue she looked for value in the wrong places until she found her worth in God. How many of us do that? How many of us have heard of people who do that? Look for acceptance, you just wanna be part of the group, you wanna be accepted, and it's not until you find your worth in God that the release happens. There are times though that you need to hit rock bottom to realize this. Um, I remember a friend of mine, we both were in university together, and um, smoked, drank, um, did the parties, And then we graduated, um, carried on with life, and kept in touch, and he went to America. And soon after, um, well, I'd become a Christian, and he would still be in touch, but it was clear there were areas where he just looked and thought, you know, what's wrong with you? Um, But then I heard from one of my friends, he wasn't doing very well, and it turned out he had cancer, and really affected him quite badly, and then I rang him once, and he was just full of life full of, and I thought, what's going on? he said, look, God needed to put me on my back so I could look up to him. And, and I, that was interesting, he died soon after. Um, it stayed with me, that bit about us being in a place where we actually see, see God. There's a saying something about, um, you won't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. And sometimes when we get there, this actually emboldens us to act. It emboldens us to show our gratitude. Um, you're just, for this woman, I, I just get there was something in her life which just made her want to just pour out, pour out this love. And, and some of, you know, this Matt Redmond song, but, you know, cast your minds back, just a little over 2,000 years ago with her singing this song And i promised martin he would have to (laughs) have to do this but some of you might know the chorus jesus what can i give what can i bring to so faithful a friend to so loving a king savior what can be said what can be sung as a praise of your name for the things you have done Oh, my words could not tell, not even in part, of the debt of love that is owed by this thankful heart. And I can just picture her there with tears, wiping his feet, just so grateful. We'll move on to Simon. So he's sitting in there, and we get the impression he's indignant. I don't think the woman was invited as the first thing. And then, and then secondly, you get the impression he's also not too sure about Jesus. Because he says he thinks to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. You take those words and we're not told that Simon didn't think he was a sinner, but you clearly get the impression he felt She was A-level and he was just kindergarten. uh, Felt he had very little sin. And he felt sinners like her should know their place in society. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but sometimes you're there, you're a Christian, and you almost feel God is getting a good deal out of you. You know, isn't God lucky that, that, that you're one of the people in this? And whenever things are said, you think of it Uh, You know, you sit down, you listen to a sermon, you go, if only X were here, as if they're talking to them, but not to you. Um, So Simon is there, quite indignant. Can I just take you guys to a fictional court in session in the Magistrates' Court in Judea just over 2,000 years ago? And two people are up before the Magistrate because they have broken the speed limit. One of them was doing 65 miles per hour in a 35 miles per hour zone, and the other was 40 miles per hour, and they're both in the dock. And, and, and the woman comes up and is sentenced, and she's banned. And Simon thinks, serves her right, how irresponsible, how could you do that? And then it's his turn, and he's um, and banned. And he thinks, what? I was only doing 40. And then the judge gives him this to read, the driving license point system, simpler and more transparent, just to help him understand. I'm gonna put this in Paul's words. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We're not graded on this curve. There's no mine was a small sin or yours was a big sin. All, all of us fall short. For Simon. You could argue that his sin was the sin of a heart that wouldn't break, of a life that wouldn't change, and of a soul that wouldn't love. And those are John Ortberg's words, and I I would add one, a heart that won't forgive. If we go back to the story of those two debtors that Jesus told, let's try and put it into, call it modern day terms. So two people owe debts. For one of them, they just can't pay their gas bill. And they're coming to cut the gas off they just have no money to do it and this is it the company's coming to cut their gas off for the second one it's a bit more difficult they can't pay the mortgage fallen in hard times lost their job and the house is about to be repossessed for both of them they cannot just find the money to be able to do this and the landlord comes and then forgives both of them the debts and Jesus is trying to say which one of these two people is likely to be the more happy, the more pleased? And clearly, if you're just about to lose your house, you're going to just be so grateful that that had happened. Picture those two people and imagine one of them saying, I don't want your help. I don't want your charity. And you're saying, no, I've paid this. You have no more debt. No, I don't want that. I don't need your charity. Um, I really don't think, I need your help, I can get through this on my own. And I think that's a story of most of us in our lives. And it's interesting, the King James Version, um, one of the passages we might hear later is about love. You know Paul's letter about, where he talks about love, but charity is used instead of love. Um, uh, and, And we just look, it's almost like us telling God, I don't want your love. I don't need your love. And Jesus saw the value in the woman. He tried to get Simon to see her as he did. Simon, see her through my eyes. And then he also tried to get Simon to realize he was also a sinner in need of grace. Whether Simon was able to do that, I don't know. But I think we need to look at ourselves as well and remember we need God's grace for every single thing we do. And there's no point looking at someone as worse than us. Um, We might be doing 40, we're still breaking the speed limit. The ability to assign value is one of the rarest and greatest gifts in the world. So value what God values. This is from John Ortberg. And I've put there, people sometimes say, break our hearts, Lord, for what breaks yours. And I think it's, it's that sort of thing which helps people to start up things like Christians Against Poverty. You see someone in dire need and you think, how can I help? What exactly can I do to help you? I put Christians Against Poverty there, COP, just so you realize it's not Christians Against Politicians. Um, And it just struck me, it's so easy sometimes to look at that woman as the sinner, and it's so clear. And in modern day terms, politicians are almost seen as fair game. You can blame them for everything, you vilify them, and it's it's, it's all they're spat at, etc. In Jesus Christ's eyes, they are worth just as much as we are. He died for them as well. And the moment you start seeing somebody as less than, it's a road down to calling someone a sinner, and don't they know their place? I put this here because I think it's very poignant, it's one which just, but you can fill that in with other people, other things, other situations, your boss at work, the government, um, bureaucracy. It's so easy, I think, to forget they matter to God as well. We all matter. And you're back into this thing about living in community. It doesn't quite work if you've got hierarchies it works better if you listen to what Paul said, value others more than yourself. There's this thing in the book, um, it says Mother Teresa was teaching a young member of her community who came from a well-to-do family how to care for the poor and dying on the streets of Calcutta. She said that when you see people on the streets filled with disease, disfigured by sores, covered with maggots, Touch them very gently with great love and delicate care, the way a priest handles the elements of holy mass, for Jesus is there in the distressing disguise. It just makes me go back to think I was just walking earlier on just before the service and and just pondering about, about God and has he ever spoken to me? How does he make himself known? And I remember this a passage about Moses asking, he wanted to see God and God hid him in the in a crevice and moved past and he saw the back. And, and it's God's decision to choose how it is he communicates with us. But Paul reminds us, I think it was Paul in the Bible, or, or John actually, how can you say you love God if you don't love your brother who you can see? And if God has chosen to make himself manifest in the people around me, that's who I should be busying myself with. Jesus is there in the distressing disguise. So to live in community, we need to value each other, we need to love each other, and Christ put it in in, in John's Gospel, by this all people will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another. And and there are times when you're looking and thinking, Lord, what word did you give me? And and I smiled when I just realized that Martin, without seeing any of these slides, had themed love. (laughs) as the start of it. So I'll leave you with this. Um, Christ asks us to fellowship with each other. We have missed not being able to be with each other. But I'm not sure that we missed the sharp edges. And if that's all you've come to give someone... I think we've missed the hugs, we've missed the caring, we've missed the community. We will have tough times, but Christ says, if you want people to know you truly are mine, you will have love for one another. Watch, I'll pass back to you Thank you, David. We're going to take some time. Um, just to reflect, some questions, if Jesus you can read says, them. see them through my eyes. They are a prized possession ah, of they God. Beyond all. When have you been so grateful? It didn't matter who was there. You just needed to say thanks. Who do we think is unworthy to be in our midst? Jesus says, see them through my eyes. They are a prized possession of God whose value is beyond all calculation. Jesus showed the woman that she was valued when all the others felt she should know her place. Will you try to help someone know they are valued this week?